The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What in the world was he talking about? He was talking about exactly what we heard about a moment ago, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus Christ. The word gospel literally means good news. So if you've ever heard someone use the phrase before, the gospel, or they've talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ, all they're saying is the good news of Jesus Christ. When they use the phrase gospel, and I know gospel conjures up a whole lot of different thoughts and different ideologies depending on your background, but literally the word gospel simply means good news. So when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're saying the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus Christ taught. When the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was literally saying, I am not ashamed of the good news that Jesus Christ taught. I'm not ashamed of it because that which the gospel is, that which the good news is, changes everything. This morning, I I want to look at three uh, amazing aspects of the gospel. Three things that the gospel does when we believe it. When we put our heart's confidence in the good news of Jesus Christ, when we put our faith, when we put our trust in the gospel, I want you to see three ramifications. So first of all this morning, I want you to see first and foremost, the good news of the gospel rescues us from the eternal consequences of sin. The good news of the gospel rescues us from the eternal consequences of sin. Now, in order for there to be good news, all right, what makes it good is that it is in the context of bad news, all right? That's why we even know what good news could be, because good news can only be good news if it's contrasted by bad news. And the bad news is this, and I don't say this to condemn you, and I don't say this to judge you, and I don't say this to make myself better than you. I say it as a spiritual reality of that which is, and it is simply this. There is a ramification, there are consequences, and there is penalty to your rebellion and my rebellion against God. There are natural consequences and there are spiritual consequences. It's a sowing and reaping principle. And some of you, and sometimes I, we get to these moments where we are experiencing the consequences of sin. We are experiencing the penalties of sin. We're experiencing the shame and the guilt and the hurt and the pain of sin. And we don't even understand why. And it's because we live in a world where there are consequences, where there's punishment, where there are penalties, where you reap that which you sow. And so Jesus comes along and he says, I've got some good news for you. I've got good news for the gossip. I've got good news for the adulterer. I've got good news for the prideful. 
I've got good news for those of you who are lifted up in addiction. I've got good news for you who feel like you just don't have any more strength. Jesus comes along and says, I have good news. And here's his good news. The gospel, the essence of Christ's teachings, his good news offers you literally. He offers to rescue you from the eternal consequences of your sin. And I want to say this. That's awesome news. That's really good news. Because some of us in this room have spent years and decades burdened and shackled to the shame and to the guilt and to the consequences of our sin. And Jesus says, I am come that you would have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This is an incredibly good news. You see, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ's teaching offers you everything you need to deal with your past, to deal with the past consequences, to deal with the past penalties, to deal with the past shame, and to deal with the past guilt, to deal with that which you've never been able to deal with yourself, to overcome that which you've in your own strength have never been able to overcome. Jesus Christ comes with the good news of the gospel and says, I have that which can rescue you from all shame, rescue you from all guilt, rescue you from the eternal consequences of your sin. First John chapter number one tells us the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow! When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he wasn't dying for some issue that he had. He wasn't suffering the consequences because he had done something wrong. He was literally bearing the shame. He was bearing the weight. He was bearing the guilt of your sin of your rebellion, of your pride, and my sin, and my rebellion, and my pride, and our sin, and our rebellion, and our pride, and Jesus Christ was bearing the full weight of those consequences upon himself. He was literally taking the consequences, the penalty that our sin deserves, our rebellion deserves, our pride deserves, and Jesus Christ hanging on the cross says, I will take all the consequences consequences in your place. Can I want to remind you of something today and that's simply this. There is no sin in your past. There is no sin in your present and there is no sin in your future that has more power than the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. None. There is no sin that you've ever committed nor sin that you will ever commit in your future that has more power than what Jesus Christ did on the cross to cleanse you from. That is good news. That's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to offer you good news. The gospel, that's what the gospel means. It doesn't mean a list of dogmas. It doesn't mean a list of rules. It doesn't mean a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. That's some of the things that are in the Bible. But when we talk about the gospel, we are talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come to forgive and to redeem all of us. Good news. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of what Jesus Christ offers to us. How do we get saved from our guilt? How do we get saved from our shame? 
How do we get saved from the past consequences of our sin? How do we get saved from the shackles that we find ourselves in that keep us in bondage to addiction and in bondage to our weakness and in bondage to our flaws? How, do we get, how, how are we saved from that? 2,000 years ago, a Roman soldier approached Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, and asked him that question and said, what do I do to be saved? The Apostle Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Put your faith, your trust, and your hope on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believe that what he did, he has done for you. That the punishment he took was deserved for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You see, the good news rescues us from the eternal consequences of sin, the eternal consequences that our sin deserves, the consequences that our sin has manifested. But a lot of us, as we saw a minute ago in the video, especially if you grew up in church world, that's as far as the good news ever got for you. Like, if you've been in church world for a while, you've already heard that. Like, that's the part of the good news that most churches are willing to talk about. They'll tell you about how you're, you, in Jesus Christ, he offers you the good news to be saved from the penalty of your sin. But they do not realize that the gospel's power doesn't end there. You see, the gospel, what Jesus Christ, the good news of what he taught, doesn't just inform how we get to heaven, how we get saved, how we inherit eternal life. The good news of the gospel continues to inform our lives even after the point of salvation. So as the metaphor was used in the story, there are so many Christians and you're praising God from your, from your prison cell. Yes, you're free. Yes, the sign over the prison cell says forgiven. It says redeemed. It says reconciled. But you're still meandering in a dark, dungy prison cell of life. Not experiencing the full glory of the gospel that's been imparted unto you. And so I want to see here, secondly, not only does the gospel, the good news of the gospel, rescue us from the eternal consequences of sin, I want you to see, second of all today, that the gospel provides us with all spiritual blessings right here, right now. This is big. There are a lot of you, you are saved. You have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to inherit eternal life. And now you believe that you have to do something in order to earn God's favor and his blessing. Because it's like, no, I understand there's nothing I can do to get to heaven. Only Jesus can do that. But to become a better person, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I've got to cross my T's and dot my I's and walk to walk and talk to talk. And, and I, so Jesus has it from before I was saved. But after I'm saved, I'm like, I don't need Jesus anymore. I got this one. That's not the gospel. It's not good news. Preachers standing up and say, do this and do that and do these things, and you'll get this and go there. That's not good news. That's good advice. It isn't good news. See, good news is the good news of what God has done for you. Good advice is what you need to do for God. 
And Jesus came with the gospel of good news, not the gospel of good advice. Now, in the Bible, you can go. There are aspects, you go to the book of Proverbs, it has a lot of good advice. It's good. But understand, it's within the broader context of good news. The good news of what God has already done for you. What God has done to you and what God has accomplished on your behalf. Ephesians chapter number one, verse three says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, this is crazy. Notice this, who had blessed us, notice this word, with all spiritual blessings. Man, if you have your Bible turned to Ephesians one right now, I want you to underline that because this is big time. This is, this is gospel centrality. He has blessed you, not with some spiritual blessings, not with most spiritual blessings. The gospel of Jesus Christ declares that the moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you inherited every single spiritual blessing that God has to offer. It is yours the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. While I was in college, I had the opportunity to uh, spend some time in Salt Lake City. Uh, it was during the time when the Winter Olympics were there. How many, of you, how many of you remember when the Winter Olympics were in Salt Lake? And so me and some friends, uh, while we were in Bible college, seminary there, we decided we'd go up uh, to Salt Lake City. And I was on the kind of the committee at our, at our college for our missionary prayer band. And we'd pray for people to be saved, and we'd pray for different countries that the gospel would come into them. And so then we had this idea, well, like the whole world is coming to Salt Lake City. Let's, let's just go be missionaries to the world when they come to us. And so me and a bunch of my friends, we got together, and uh, we drove up to Salt Lake City, and literally for two days in the freezing cold, we just went around to anybody we could find, and we were able to find some different, like, gospel literature and all these different languages and things and we just literally for two days straight tried to find anybody who would listen to us and just tell them about the good news of what Jesus has done for them and like and we knew they were from all these countries and it was an incredible time and a couple years ago I, I heard about a, a man by the name of Max Meltzer he was a 60 year old man who lived on the streets of Salt Lake City he, he was a homeless man uh, Max had a brother who was extremely wealthy he, his brother even at times tried to reach out to Max, but uh, for whatever reason, Max didn't really want to have a whole lot to do with him. For years, Max wandered the streets, sleeping his nights away in, a, in abandoned sheds. All of his belongings fit into a shopping cart that he pushed around the city in those cold December evenings. One day while he was at Pioneer Park, which I've been to Pioneer Park, this is kind of in the heart, downtown Salt Lake City area, while he was sitting there at that particular park, a man by the name of David Lundberg approached him. Max was sitting on the bench, David sat next to him. He said, I just wanted you to know that your uh, family has been looking for you for a very long time. He said, uh, I'm actually a private investigator, uh, your family hired me to find you. He said, they wanted me to tell you that your brothers passed away quite a while ago, and uh, the reason your family has been searching for you is because uh, you've inherited a huge sum of money quite some time ago. Of course, Max was pretty excited about this, as you can probably imagine. David said to him, for months, 
while you've been living here on the streets like a poor beggar, the reality is you are actually an extremely rich man. You see, Max's life didn't change when he inherited the money. The money was his for quite some time. His, his life only changed once he actually became aware, once he realized, once he believed what had happened. And so it is the way with many Christians. Some of you are like, my life hasn't changed, but that's not because you haven't inherited great wealth. It's yours. There's nothing more God can give to you. It's your blessing. All of it, yours. You are rich and wealthy beyond all comprehension, spiritually speaking. Everything you need in the spiritual realm, all joy, all peace, all hope, all contentment, everything you need to live life more abundantly has already been inherited entrusted to you it's there in the spiritual bank of heaven with your name on it and yet you wander through your life with no contentment with no joy with no love with no sense of peace and your heavenly father who is in heaven is looking down saying to you i don't get this i've already entrusted it to you i've already inherited it to you it's already yours why hasn't your life changed because a lot like max even though the reality was he was rich he did not appropriate it for himself and so it is with you oftentimes you wander through this life living like a spiritual beggar because you have not realized that these riches are already yours in Christ. The riches of his love, the riches of his grace, the riches of his strength, the riches of his peace, the riches of his power already belong to you in spiritual places. And it is faith. The simple belief in the reality of that which is that transmutes all that is yours spiritually and allows you to experience it physiologically. That is all that separates you from the peace that Jesus Christ has to offer and the joy and the love that he has already made available to you. I just want to say this. It's good news because of what God's done for you. You can stop trying to earn it and try to deserve it and try to do something so God will feel like, he, like, you've, like you've done something to, to, to make it yours. I'm here to say it's yours. Take it. Go to the bank. And recognize that it is your reality by faith that was entrusted to you, not by works of your righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy, his grace, and his strength. I think they're going to throw this on the screens, I don't know, but it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to waste our lives looking for things elsewhere that we already possess in Christ. I want to say that again. It's ridiculous to waste our lives looking for things elsewhere that we already possess in Christ. My friend, the gospel doesn't just provide you with a better life. It provides you with a whole new life. A whole new life. A couple weeks ago, we had evangelist Dr. John Van Gilbern with us, and I love the way he said it. He said it like this, we already possess these things in the spiritual realm. They're already ours. And we experience them in the physical realm by faith. They're already ours. The peace, 
the joy, the contentment, the love. It's already yours. There's nothing you have to do. That's the good news of the gospel. If you're feeling flustered and you're feeling stressed and you're feeling like nobody loves you and you're not experiencing the love and the peace and the joy of the Lord, it's not because you don't have it. You have it. It's yours in the spiritual realm. It was entrusted to you at the moment of salvation. The reason you are not experiencing it is because by faith you haven't appropriated it into this physical realm. It's yours for the taking. That's good news. Why? What's the Bible said? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath, past tense, hath already blessed us, those who are in Christ, with all spiritual blessings. They're yours for the taking, which leads us to the third reality of the good news of Jesus Christ, and that is this. The gospel empowers us with God's strength for future victory. See, some of us are so stressed out about the future. We're so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, and we're so like, God, concerned about how we're going to pay bills, and how is this going to come together, and how is that going to come together, and what's this person going to say to me, and what's that person going to do to me, and what's my boss going to say? We live our lives in some future state, and I want to just say to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ has already got it covered. You can rest. You can live at peace because it's taken care of. The gospel has already allowed it to be so. That's good news. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says about this. Thanks be to God, notice this, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Notice that word, always. You say, well, I'm not always triumphing. Here's my point. The triumph and the victory is already yours in the heavenlies. And the reason that sometimes we don't experience it in the physical realm is because we do not appropriate by faith that which is already ours in this physical realm, that which is already given to us in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, we always triumph. In the spiritual realm, we're always victorious. In the spiritual realm, we always win. And it's by faith that we transmute an experience in the physical realm, that which was already given to us in the heavenly realm. Faith. A belief that what God says is true. To simply take his word at face value and trust that what he says to be true in his word is not something we have to do theological gymnastics around to try to explain away because I haven't experienced what this verse is talking about. Rather than playing theological, philosophical gymnastics, trying to dance your way around why this hasn't been your experience, rather than just saying, I lack faith. I have not appropriated in my own reality that which God says is already true in his reality. You are more than conquerors through him. In Christ, you win. In Christ, you've won. You say, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm up against. You don't know what I'm dealing with. I'm just saying this, you can live at peace. The gospel gives you hope. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's, it's better than just good advice. Do this and do that and do these things and do those things. And maybe God will like you enough to kind of 
throw you down a little blessing. The gospel, not just good advice, better, good news of what he's already done, not just good advice for what you need to do. If you're God's child, there is no enemy that you will ever face that hasn't already been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, this doesn't apply to you. And I hope you'll receive Christ as your savior. I hope you'll come to put your faith and trust in him and him alone because these promises don't apply. But if you are in Christ or if you come to Christ in faith and brokenness, repenting of that which you're unable to do, recognizing confidence in what he can do and you come into commitment and love with Jesus Christ, then this is a promise that you can take to the bank that there is no enemy, there is no trial, there is no obstacle you'll ever, ever face that hasn't already, already been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. That's good news. You see, the good news, it affects our past, the past consequences of sin. The gospel deals with our present, needing the spiritual blessings right here, right now. It's already yours. Take it. Good news. And the gospel gives you everything you'll need, not just for your past, to deal with your past, not just everything you need to deal with the here and now. It gives you everything you need to deal with the future because anything you will ever face has already been conquered and made victorious in Christ. That future is yours in Christ by faith. You can experience it. And when we don't experience it, it is not because God has not granted it to us. It is because we have failed to appropriate that by faith. Where does faith come from? The Bible is clear. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Allow the promises, the realities, the truth of God's word to foster in your heart a sense of belief and a sense of faith that allows you to believe what his word has to say as a true reality. When you were born, anybody of you remember that moment? I don't, but okay. And you took that first breath of oxygen from this new world. You breathed it in, that life, that refreshing oxygen into your lungs. You breathed it in. Many of you cried it out. In that moment, you didn't think to yourself, I'm born. I'm going to breathe. Hold your breath and think, I got enough. I'm good for life. How many of you are like, yeah, breathing's still kind of a normal part of my existence? (laughs) Most of us are still kind of doing it. It's kind of a good thing. I would suggest it. (laughs) And yet somehow in the spiritual realm, we're like, when I got saved, I breathed in the gospel. (gasps) The good news of Jesus, he saves me. (gasps) That should do me. No. Yes, in that moment, we breathe in our eternal salvation. In that moment, we breathe in the spirit of Christ by faith, experiencing his grace. And yes, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that. But we need to be breathing in the gospel every day for victory. The good news of what Jesus has already done on my behalf to take care of the problems today. 
He already, I'm going to breathe in the gospel, that refreshing breath of the spirit, that gospel, the good news of what he's already done for me. And yet most of us live our lives and are, we're consumed with what I got to do for God today. What do I got to do for God today? What do I got to do for God tomorrow? What do I got to do for God? Just breathe in and breathe in and breathe in all that God has done for you. And I'll tell you what, that will take care of itself. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. You don't need just one breath of the good news. Yes, that one breath will seal you under the day of redemption. That one breath will get you to heaven. That one breath will get you saved. But if you want to live a victorious, triumphant Christian life, every moment of every day, breathe in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, reminding yourself moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, remind yourself, meditate on the reality that God is good, that his gospel is real, and that his promises are true. Meditate, replay, rehearse, breathe in the gospel on a regular basis. You say you put your faith in the good news of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in the good news of his teachings. And the Bible declares that you will receive salvation. The good news that he offers in light of the bad news of the consequences in your rebellion. Put your faith in that gospel, the gospel of Jesus teaching for salvation. Put your faith in the good news of the gospel for his blessings. You're not going to earn his blessings tomorrow. You're going to appropriate them by faith. Put your faith in the good news of Jesus' gospel for victory tomorrow. You don't have to stress. You don't have to worry. You don't have to concern yourself. Put your faith in the good news. Not... Don't find your confidence in the good advice of what you can do for God. Put your confidence in the good news of what he has already done for you. And watch how the Spirit of God lives a better life than you do. And I loved how that metaphor in the video ended. Too many of you are trying to imitate Jesus and you stink at it. I stink at it. None of us do a good job imitating Jesus. And we become pharisaical and we become hypocritical and we become the scourge of the earth that everybody hates because we act like we've got it together when we don't. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't try to imitate Jesus. Surrender your broken, messy, ugly self to the sovereignty of God and let him do through you what you will never, ever, ever be able to do on your own. That is your hope. That is where victory comes through. Not trying to imitate Jesus, but by letting him literally indwell and live through you. We Think at being like Jesus. Only Jesus is good at being Jesus. So surrender your brokenness. Surrender your pride. Surrender your arrogance. Surrender every part of you that thinks you can conjure this thing up. And allow yourself to be broken before the throne of grace and say, God, I can't. And I offer myself so you will. And then breathe in his gospel. Breathe in the good news of what he has promised 
and live in that state of breathing in the gospel day in and day out. That is our hope. Nothing else. We will continue to stink at acting like Jesus. Only Jesus can live like Jesus. It's not about imitation. It's about impartation. Imparting the spirit of Christ and allowing him to live through us that which we think of doing. You know why so many people in the world hate Christians? Because we try to act like Jesus when we're not. Rather than saying we're broken, weak. And Jesus, we need you to do through us what we can't do through ourselves. You know what? That, that posture is so different. Because when you're trying to imitate Jesus, it comes across arrogant. And it comes across ugly. And it comes across proud. You start getting an entitlement mentality. I'm doing all this for Jesus. Why isn't he doing more for me? You start getting a superiority complex. That's kind of like what the world doesn't like. That's why they want nothing to do with the church. That's why they want nothing to do with Christians. That's why they want nothing to do with us. Because we stink at being like Jesus. And when we do it, we get arrogant, we get proud, we get a superiority complex, we get entitlement mentality, and that just repels people. But when we have a posture that's like, we can't do this. We've tried and we failed, and God, unless you do it through me. And then God starts doing it, and we don't get arrogant about it, because we know we're just broken. We know we're just weak. We know it's the good news of Jesus' teaching that's doing it through us. So we can't get arrogant about it. We don't get proud about it. There's a different posture that it takes on. All of a sudden, we we no longer get an entitlement mentality because we know it's not us. We don't get a superiority complex because we know it isn't us. This isn't imitation. This is impartation. And anything the Spirit of Christ is doing through me is just a gift of His grace. And any victory He gives me, we know we don't deserve. And any blessing that He bestows upon us is received humbly humbly, not as an entitlement, but as a blessing, because we know we don't deserve it. And the posture of our spirit, the posture of our attitude, the posture of our ambition totally changes, and our posture is one of meekness, brokenness, of humility, as the Spirit of Christ quietly and subtly lives his life through us. That is where the victory is found. Not in imitation, but in impartation. A humility, a surrender to what only God can do through us. What do we do? We put our faith in the good news. We get salvation. We put our faith in the good news. We get his blessing. We put our faith in the good news. We get his victory. And let me just say this. And this might not mean a whole lot to a lot of you. It means a ton to me. But most importantly, here's what we get. We get him. And the more you get to know him, the more that statement will mean to you. Because Jesus doesn't just give us his joy. The Bible says he is joy. He doesn't just give us peace. The Bible says he is peace. He doesn't just give us love. First John tells us he is love. When we get him, we get everything. 
And yet at the same time, we don't care because we got the one thing that matters, Jesus. Jesus. We get him. The gospel, what is it? It's good news. In a world where the world is so needing help, they're in bondage. Here's what most of us Christians do. We run into the jail cell and we start giving them good advice. The people in jail don't need your stinking good advice. They need the good news of Jesus Christ, that in him there's victory, that in him there's triumph, and in him and him alone there's conquering. They don't need your good advice. They need your good news. They need the good news of Jesus Christ to be imparted through you. And that is what this series we're starting today is all about. Over the next seven weeks, we're doing a series through the Gospel of John entitled, I Am Jesus. We're going to go through the book of John, and on seven occasions, Jesus says, I am. I love it. I am. What are you, Jesus? We're going to find out who Jesus declares himself to be and how that good news of what he declares, what it means to us as broken, weak, undeserving believers. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.